is what we call Vision Sunday, and it's just a couple times a year where we kind of take a moment just to remember um, who God is, who we are, um, and, and what and what we've been called to, 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 to be and do. And, um, and it's just a good chance to remind us because we know how every day gets. Like the things that we really care about, like we care to the deepest parts of our core. There are things that are like that that we actually don't think about every day. And it's just because of the, the demand of every day, just the normal things that it is to be responsible and to be human, right? And so we just want to take a chance just to kind of stop and remind us. So that's today, just so you know kind of what's coming next. Starting next Sunday, we will kick off kind of this fall study of the Minor Prophets. Um, and they're called Minor because their sh writings are shorter, not because they were, like, less effective, right? They were, they were, their writings were just shorter. But we're going to do kind of a, this, this high-level view of, of ten of them. And so it'll be covering one a week. So uh, it'll be a really fun kind of survey. And really what's great about doing this is we get to see kind of just the consistency of our God. We get to see his character. We get to see who he is. We get to see how he's never changed. We also get to see the consistency of the story of humanity and how uh, we, we don't change on our own. And when we are left to ourselves, it usually goes bad. Actually, not usually, it just goes bad. But in God's grace and love and mercy, we get to see him over and over again rescuing and restoring and being patient and, and entering in and interceding. So it'll be, a, it'll be an adventure of a, of a few months leading us up to our Advent season um, that we study through the Minor Prophets. So pretty excited about that. So today, Vision Sunday. Again, like I said, it's just a chance for us to, as a church, uh, as a family, because we are, that's what we, that's kind of the marker of our identity is this, this shared family, this, this, that we are responsible for each other, that we are brought into the family of God through Jesus, that we're people called together to a specific place here in, here in this city and kind of in this area to, in a specific time. Like I said, just said forever, I was more so that this journey is lifelong, but we know that um, kind of most people will not be a part of the bridge until the day they die. Um, some point God will call them on, and we kind of we kind of celebrate that. Sad, like we kind of have gospel kind of tears and goodbyes. Like we have one going next week. Next week we're going to be commissioning Lauren Turnham as she's preparing to go to the mission field, and like we, we kind of have this posture that we are all sent, and it's not so much do I go, it's just it's more so do I stay, right? And so, so, uh, but but we do know that for whatever time God has you here, we have a purpose of being together, and so we are called together. And we, are all, and we just want to remind us of how we are to live. Um, so some of you are new to the community, to, new, new to the bridge, or kind of just you know, here today for support, and that's great. Um, and, and whether you've been pursuing Jesus for a long time and walking with him, or that that's, you know, either you're just kind of here checking it out for the first time, or you are here as a friend and an observer that just is kind of being a good friend and, and don't really believe that, I want you to know that th th that's great. Like, it's just a blanket statement. That's great. And there is space for you here. And I pray that today that just hearing kind of the truth of God, which is actually his heart for us, hearing our, our attempt to pursue and live that out well um, and, and humility and sincerity uh, and, and courage is, is uh, encouraging to all of you. And if anything, it leads to, to deeper thought, to more honest kind of pursuit of what is right and true and good, and, uh, and maybe even entering into sharing that with other people if that's not something that you are doing right now. We want to journey together well. 
So again, glad that we're all here. It's really exciting. And there is something for everyone, even though this is kind of like, what do we do? Who are we and what do we do as the bridge, right? So it's interesting to think about what church is. It's, it's just as we think about it, because like just who knows? It's just one of those statements where, like, you know, you can say, you can say the church and you get a myriad of different thoughts and definitions in people's heads. I mean, it, you know, to, so what's in front of us today is like when we think about the church, it could be things like we know that we're not just an organization, but we are organized. Like a church is more than a building. It's a people. Um, we are family. We are called. We desire for, the, for this faith journey uh, to be real, for it to be personal, for it to be uh, sincere. We don't want to just do something that's just this moral assent or it's just behavior modification. We, if we're going to engage this, we want it to be real. We want it to be personal. And I think that's a universal kind of desire when it comes to our spirituality. We, and, you know, when we think about us as a church, we want to be and we need to be rooted in truth and grace. We have to bring both of those together. Um, the church, we know that the church doesn't exist just to provide services to your life. We're not just kind of a an agency to provide for your kind of specific desires and needs, which is interesting. But it's also not just activities to participate in. That's, not, that's also not what the church is. We, we know that as the people of God who have been changed by Jesus and made new and kind of given a new identity, that we pursue the mission of the gospel in season and out. And we'll define the gospel in just a moment. Because, again, it's, it's who we have been made to be in the work of Jesus I'm going to keep going just for a minute because I just want to kind of round out the picture. Um, you know, when we, I, I'm thinking about our community and specific, you know, specifically in those that have been kind of sharing the journey for a while, if there's anything I've seen is that there, that there is this deep commitment. There is a deep care. There's a deep investment. There's a mindfulness of how we engage life in the world. And so there is this deep, uh, sincere, sincere calling. We, and, and I see that we have this all-consuming kind of fire and desire to see the world experience the freedom, hope, and life in Jesus that, that, that we have personally. I mean, like, I'm th- thinking of one of our new leaders, uh, her testimony is kind of ringing a bell right now. Megan Reedy said, what drives me to tell people about Jesus is, is the the love and the transformation and the, and the grace that I have experienced, right? And so the, prayerfully, that's the marker of our life that we, we feel this, this compelling. And so we have this all-consuming fire and desire for the world to know the hope and love of Jesus that we have experienced. But we're also human. Like, and in our humanity, like that all-consuming fire and desire to, that, that leads to pushing meets its limits, and we get weary and we grow tired and we just think, like, how much can I do? Like, how do I do what, you know, all these things and yet still kind of give my life to this? And then we look at the world around us. We, we, we see our need, but then we also look and there's this the overwhelming need around us. And, like, how do we engage every need? How do we know what we're responsible for? How do we, how do we be a part of all that? And then we want our faith. Our, our expression of life in Christ to be natural. We don't want to just be these weird, out-of-touch religious people that are afraid of engaging culture, that are afraid of getting tainted, because that is a defiance of, of the promise of God, is that, no, he makes clean, he makes whole. We don't have to fear that. And so we, so we want this to be, again, this, this, um, 
this very kind of uh, personal and real calling, simply a natural overflow of who we are as a result of what God has done. So we're, again, we're kind of getting there, and, and so we want it to be real, organic, natural, but also we want to be organized, strategic, and intentional. So I'm just trying to lay out some complexity of like how in the world do we do all this? Like how do we do it? And it's interesting as we try to think about this, it's the very effort to be faithful to what we feel our call is, and it was what we feel it seems to be, um, it's that very effort that seems to often strangle the life out, out of our faith and our offering. Like, it's the effort that we often feel kind of burdened by. And all of a sudden, we feel like our effort cheapens it sometimes. So again, and if this is like, if you're kind of from the outside looking in, I, I get it. So, I mean, maybe you haven't experienced this, uh, but it's kind of the, the journey, like, as our humanity kind of meets eternity. Um, and, and there isn't one of us that can do it all. There's not one of us in this room that can do it all. And there's not one church that can do it all. Praise God that he has a, a remedy for that. So kind of with all that in mind, maybe you're with me, maybe you're not, but today I pray that we can understand what it is to be uh, the church. And when we think about what it is to be the church, the people of God called together, gathered together, it's, it's bigger than any one of us. It's bigger than all of us. But at the same time, there would not be a church without each of us. Like we are, the church is the people of God. And so that's kind of the primer. That took 10 minutes. Let me pray, and we are going to fly through this, okay? All right, God, um, I, I, you know, it's interesting as I just think about all the things we just talked through, and, and even as I, as I prepared for this and wrote it and I've now spoken it, you know, even I feel a little disoriented and like, oh, my gosh, how, like, how does all this come together and where is this going? And I know that that's just sometimes how we feel in this journey period. Kind of like, okay, how is this all going to come together? And, and how do we actually live out who we are and what we're supposed to be and do? And so, God, I just humbly surrender this time to you. Lord, I pray that each of us, like wherever we came from, wherever we are in this moment that we've come into this room, I pray for hearts to be open. I pray for minds to be open. I pray for lives to be open. And as a result, as we encounter, Lord, you, as we encountered, as we encounter your promise and your goodness and your truth, Lord, I pray that our hearts, our minds, and our lives would be transformed. Lord, we know that in that work it is good for us. I pray that we would be grateful for that, but that also our desire that it would be also be glorifying to you. So, Lord, we just surrender this time to you. Lord, uh, speak through me. Make sense of my words. Lord, catch the words that I speak and catch them aflame in our hearts and lives by the work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help this to make sense. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to dig into God's purpose today. We're going to dig into his purpose of what his purpose is for the, for the church as a whole. Like, what is God's call for all people in this world? And then we're going to also look at how is this church, the Bridge Montrose, and each of you, each of us, how do all of those purposes come, to get, come together to pursue his purpose for us? So um, before I get to that, because I want to make sure, you know, that's kind of the focus, there are some things that we assume coming into that. So I want to just really quickly in a broad stroke summary kind of get us to the point that we can pick up of addressing kind of God's purpose for the church, God's purpose for this church, God's purpose for each of you as a part of this church. So first off, just again, 
I'm not going to give scripture references for this big, uh, broad stroke summary. This is great fodder. If you want to go deeper into this, we can follow up or maybe people around you. But God is a loving God. He's a loving God, but he's, he's also holy, and he is our sovereign creator, and he's our king. He created all of us, and he created everything in the world, and he created it all good, and he created it out of love. He created it for relationship and for his glory. All right, there's a bunch to that, but this kind of the, that's the blanket, right? So as we always do, we as his, his pinnacle of creation as humanity we trusted ourselves more than God, and we rebelled against him and denied his, his worthy, his sovereignty, his goodness, his holiness. And, and we sinned, and we rebelled, and we said, we know better, right? That was the story. That, that's the, the moment of Adam and Eve that you maybe have heard about. And basically what they were saying when they took the fruit was like, hey, I know you said don't do this. I know you said it's bad. I shouldn't, but I know better. And that's what we've done over and over and over again. And that's every core of disbelief is this kind of this statement that I know better than you, my creator. I know better than you, my sovereign king. And so in that, there was this, bro- there was this brokenness that entered into the world. Through that evil that entered in, this brokenness was the, it broke all relationships. It broke our relationship between mankind and God himself. It broke relationship between mankind and one another. And it broke relationship between mankind and all of creation. And we have felt the effects of that ever since. And we are straining and yearning and longing to be restored. Whenever something doesn't sit right and there is a sense of injustice, it's because you are longing for this to be restored. Okay? So we're there. But God... Although he had every right to say, just to mush it flat and start over. It is great love and mercy. In that moment, he set out a way to work to restore his creation. And he's been doing that ever since. It culminated in Jesus. Jesus came to bring the right rule and reign of God into our midst. To where we are experiencing the blessing of wholeness and peace once again through Jesus. He sent Jesus, his one and only son, to take on our guilt, to take on our punishment, not just to say, okay, I'm not going to hold it against you. He's saying, I'm going to give you the innocence of my son Jesus so that you are actually innocent because a good judge never acquits the guilty and a good judge never condemns the innocent, right? And so God is our righteous king and judge had to make it right. And he couldn't just say, I'm not going to hold it against you. He's saying, I'm going to make it as if you were never guilty because I'm giving you the righteousness and innocence of my son, Jesus. And so as we, as we surrender and believe, we come into that. That's our new identity. We are not guilty. We are not rebels. We are not outcasts. We are made whole. We are innocent. We are adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God, heirs alongside Jesus. So it is through Jesus working through the church that God intends to bring the message of eternal hope and salvation to the world. That's where we're at. That is his number one strategy is to use his people living as a family, as his image bearers, going and multiplying his image across the face of the earth so that people would know him, that he is good, that he is loving, and that he can restore them in Christ. So in short, God loves his creation because it is his. God loves you because you are his. God loves you because he loves you, not because of what you have done, but because of who he is and what Jesus has done. He wants the world to know that. He wants the world to know peace, 
restoration, freedom, and all of that comes through Jesus. And the church, as I already said, is his primary means of delivering this truth and reality. The church is the primary means in which we would reveal this mystery in tangible ways. As we live a way of life that reflects the, the way of rule of our good king. So I know that's really broad. I know that we would love to like, spend more time in that. But that gets us to where we are today of, so what is God's purpose for those who call on Christ? What is God's purpose for us as the bridge? And what is God's purpose for you as a part of the bridge? So I want to start with God's purpose for our lives that we all share. We're going to kind of, we, we love Venn diagrams here at the bridge. So we're going to use Venn diagrams today. So we're going to start off, and this is called the three greats. The great, great, greats. I love greats. I had great, great, I, I, I didn't realize when I was young that there were limits to how many like greats you could have to an aunt and uncle just because of lifespan. I really like thought I had some great, 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 great uncles, but I didn't. They were not around anymore. But I did have a great, great uncle. I didn't know him, so I don't know if he was great to be around. But anyway, as far as genealogy goes, he was my great, great uncle. Now you know, and you care. But today we're talking about three of God's greats, okay? So we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about in God's purpose for our lives, we have the great commandments, the great commission, and the great collaboration. Now maybe you've heard of one or two or three or none. It doesn't matter. You're going to hear about them today. So here we go. So we have the great commandments, the great commission, the great collaboration. So first we want to see the great commandments. And when Jesus was, was walking and talking and teaching, he had some leaders come up to him and they were trying to understand what he knew and try to catch him. They said, hey, what is the most important commandment for us to follow? And he said this in Matthew 22, 36 through 40. We see, it says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And then just offering it up, and in case you're worried, here's the second one, the second most important one. It says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So if you think that Christianity is just some rigid rule book of what you do do and what you don't do, we see that what God is most concerned about is that we would know him and love him and in turn from experiencing his love and having a relationship with him, we would be compelled to love his people the way that he does. And guess what? He, like, do you notice this little quick nuance of like he says, love your neighbor as yourself? He, he used loving yourself as the, like, as the rubric to understand how to love others. He knows that we know how to like, care for ourselves and love for ourselves. He knows that we have that natural tendency of, of like, self-preservation and self-care. So it's interesting that he knows us so much that he, he, the thing that he gave us was to make sure to turn our lives outwards. We will never drift to, to, to being selfless. We will never drift... To, to have eyes open, hearts and ears open to the world. God gave us this great command, as he says, as you love me, the next thing I want you to do is to love others and to always turn to that. And then all the other commands that God has given us, they're important because they reveal who he is. They also are good for us because they help us live into who we are. But they flow out of this, to know God, to love him to know others and to be known by others and to love them because of what you've experienced. So that's these two greatest commandments, love God and love people. 
right? And it's like, and that, that, that really is like our big umbrella of, of action, right? And then we want to do that informed by the rest of the truth. And we want it to flow, all, the, all that we do flowing from that. So that's the great commandments. I mean, the great, com, uh, great commandments. So next we have the great commission here. And this is in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is right at the end of Jesus being on earth. And he shared, he shared a few years with these, with these guys, with this group, and he's about to leave them. And he's about to leave them. He's also about to leave to them his purpose for coming to the world. Jesus said, I did not come for the world. I came for the sick. I came to seek and save the lost. I came to redeem the world. But now I'm leaving. Holy Spirit's going to come and empower you and, and, and give you strength and remind you that I'm with you. But I'm leaving this to you. And this is what he says. It's in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I'm going to put that up there. It says, and Jesus came. And said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so we see this term here. He says, go and make disciples. And what he's saying is saying, go, be the light of the world, live in a way that manifests the manner of the Messiah that lives out in the flesh who Jesus is, which is God in the flesh, right? I want you to go and do that, and I want you to help others to come to know that they need a Savior and that they can know him. A disciple is a follower. So to make disciples of Jesus is someone who has acknowledged Jesus as Savior and Lord, and said, I, I can't trust myself to fix it. I trust him to fix it. Remember what we laid at the beginning. All was broken, but in Christ all is restored. And so he's saying, I want you to go and make Jesus known to the world, but not just to the point that someone says, I believe, and I get to go to heaven, but to the point then he says, also teaching them to obey all that you've obeyed. So then it's also not just bringing them to an acknowledgement of Jesus as Savior and Lord, but also then teaching them what it is to follow Jesus and to live into their identity. And we use Matthew uh, 4.19 as a, um, as a helpful passage, which is where Jesus is calling his, his, his first disciples. And he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so it's this call to follow. And so we see that there is this work of head, heart, and hands in being a disciple of Jesus, right? So when we see that we're going to make disciples, we're saying we're going to go and live in a way that would, that would reveal the, the reality of Jesus to a point that people would acknowledge that, that with their head, belief that he is Savior, also recognizing that Jesus is, is again, the head and Lord of our lives, and then, and then teaching them to follow. And as we follow Jesus and live unto uh, the way we've been given to live in his word, that he says, and I will make you. And so then we see that we are changed from the inside out. It's not just about what we do. It's actually more important about our heart change. And so he's transforming us from the inside out. So we are following with our head. We are following with our heart as we are being transformed. And he says, and then I'll make you fishers of men. And what he was saying there is that I will make you to where you don't care about just catching fish. They were fishermen, and that was the scene. He said, I will actually make you care about what I care about. And again, coming back to I care about the people that I created as my beloved, and I want them to be restored. So you will, as, your head, as you follow Jesus with your head, continually surrendering and walking in obedience as a, and, and then you are experiencing the transformation, you also take on his purpose and mission with your life. And so that's this idea. That's what it is to make disciples. It's not just about a saving faith. It's also about taking on the mission 
of the gospel. And so we see that. So that's the Great Commission. Head, we follow Jesus with our head, heart, and hands. We want to lead each other to, to following them in, the, in our home, church, and world. So it's just, it's everywhere. The world tells us, um, you know, kind of that what we do is our value. What we accomplish is our value. And the promise of Jesus here is that, you know, that, that we are whole free and victorious and completely at peace with God because of him. So again, what we, so the reason why I say that is because what we do matters. What we do matters, but what we do does not, again, gain us favor with God. It does not make him love us more because going back to what we said, he loves you because you're his. He loves you because he loves you. Because he loves you. And so when, why we care about how we live, following Jesus in obedience, is because we have been made new, We've been brought into the family, and we are living out what it is to be who we've already been made to be, right? That's perfect. Get it? Ravi Zacharias said that really well, probably better than I did. He said, what we do does not define us, but rather what we do is a result of who we are. At the same time, what we do leads us to experience more deeply who we've been made to be in Christ. So making disciples says, follow me as I follow Jesus. It's just that simple. And it's leading others to follow Jesus with our head, heart, and hands in home, church, and world. And we want, to, we want you to understand this. If you are in the journey with us and you, are, um, you have acknowledged Christ as Savior and you're following him, we want, we want everyone to kind of embrace this understanding that every Christ follower is a disciple maker, as we see here in the Great Commission. And every disciple maker is a missionary with a mission field to claim. Understanding that your purpose is where your feet are. Um, is from here to the ends of the earth. And so we would just want to encourage everyone to consider that and pray that. So we have the great commandments. Then we have the great commission. And maybe this is a new one. We have the great collaboration. And we see this in John 17. John 17 is the, this comes from this moment. It's called the upper room discourse. And it's, it's this last moments that Jesus had with his disciples before he was arrested and then beaten and flogged and taken to the cross. So he knew that was coming. So what he's doing is preparing them for that. He's preparing them for all this to come after that. And this whole chapter of John 17 is this, this beautiful prayer that Jesus prayed. And it's this just very like pastoral, caring prayer, but also charging prayer. And he's praying for not only the disciples that are there with him, but also for all those that would come after. I want to read uh, verses 20 through 23. Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, meaning those in the room with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's everyone after that, including us here, if you have called on Christ. He says, I pray that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love me, even as you loved me. So there's some interesting repeated themes in this passage. And we see God's desire again for this intimate relationship with us. And you see this abiding, this you and me, you know, I and them, they and me, you and me, they, you and them, they and you. And, and then you see the result of it. So that the world may believe that you've sent me, so that they may be one, that they may become perfectly one. 
And we see that from the very beginning, God's intention for his people was this one of, of shared journey, this great collaborative work that, uh, you know, yes, God's grace is sufficient for any one of us, and he sustains us very personally, individually, but yet the full experience of his grace and love, the full ex expression of his, his love and truth in this world is meant to be experienced and expressed together. It is through this great collaboration, this knitting together of the people of God and the body of Christ that the world will know God, that the world will know that we are one, that we will be made one. And this, 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 this kind of this expression is kind of messy because we're messy, but yet it's vulnerable and it's courageous and it's loving and it's selfless. Like this is the picture from the beginning. It's our unity and love that is meant to be one of our greatest testimonies and defenses for the reality of God and his work through Jesus. So to summarize the three greats, right, the great command, the great commission, and the great collaboration is that we are to love God, we're to love people, we're to make disciples, and we're to do it together, right? Can we summarize it that way? So that's where we're at today. So we want to start there. That's, that's our call on every Christ follower's life as well as the call of every church that is committed to proclaim Jesus. So we're going to come back to our Venn diagram. We're going to do another one. Um, yeah, we love them. There's more. But we'll only do this one, and then we'll be done for today. But there's some other ones. But, but what, so if that's the call on everyone, that's, kind of, that's what the call that we all get. Like if you say, what's the purpose of my life? This is your baseline if you, if you are a Christ follower. Love God, love people, make disciples, do it together. Like, we can all know, like, you can start there, and then we'll go from there. So then let's think about, as that's the reality, what is, what's got specific call for the bridge? And what about you personally in that? So I want us to see how this all comes together. I'm starting to think maybe I, I would have been an engineer if I wasn't uh, in, in ministry uh, doing being a pastor, because I, I start, I, I've realized that I really like seeing how things work. And how it kind of really, the so I've, like, I've kind of had this thought of like the mechanics of our faith. Like how does it actually all come together? And so that's what we're going to see today. Um, God's ultimate purpose, the bridge of specific calling, and yours and my specific calling. So that's what we have here. We have the, the you know, great, great cubed, the three greats, great, great, great. We have the bridge mantras, and we have you. We're going to work through that real quick. So we've already seen the three greats, love God, love people, make disciples, do it together. And we see that, again, so we can put that summary up there. Love God, love people, make disciples, do it together. That eventually, there will be an arrow pop up to the left that has that, and you'll see it. Um, and that's a great calling, but as a local congregation, we have a more specific opportunity. We as a church have a unique calling because of who we are together and where we live. And so it's great. We come underneath this great, great, great. But yet we have some very personal and specific nuances of how we get to engage that. Because we are a church of people that live in the Houston area, typically kind of urban, inner loop is kind of this, is what makes us up. We're a people that prize being sincere and relational. I'm just kind of putting some of the things that mark some of our uniqueness that will kind of shape our personal calling as the bridge. Um, we are passionate for the gospel to transform our world around each of us in a very personal way. Uh, we take seriously that God is personal. We take seriously that his word is powerful and true and that God is worthy of all glory and honor and that life 
is a process. And I say I'm speaking in we inclusive terms. I want you to know that if you're not there yet, you are still welcome to come and journey along and kind of and just sincerely kind of seek. And, and we would, and, but by the way, we, it is not our job to change anyone. Uh, it is our job to pursue Jesus, let him change ourselves. And also, if there is change to happen in you, to let him change you. Um, but that's not my job or anyone else's job here. So we get to pursue that together. But we take seriously that God is personal. His word is powerful and true. And that's where our, statement, our mission statement comes from, that we commit to a journey, a transformation, together toward Jesus for the glory of God. That's, and so another unique thing about us that's new is that we are a church that gathers in Wharton, dual language, pre-K through eighth grade academy. And because of that, we actually have a brand new kind of little nuanced opportunity of what it is to be the bridge to extend, again, the, the love and truth of Jesus to the world around us. So these are some unique things that come into it. And as we think about, like, maybe just a shorter way to summarize something that we would love to see happen through us, we want to see gospel saturation through transformational community. And so real quick to find those terms, gospel is simply, like, the word gospel itself is good news. You can have gospel about anything. Like for me, I like the gospel of blacksmith coffee. I love blacksmith coffee, and I want people to know how good it is, and I tell people how good it is, and that's good news, because come get one of the best cups of coffee in town. They have really good food. The baristas are really cool. They don't make you feel bad for not knowing. They love to educate in this comfortable environment, and there's free Wi-Fi, and so right, right? That's good news. That's the gospel of blacksmith. But when we talk about the gospel of Jesus, we're talking about the good news of God accomplished in Jesus Christ that we've already been talking about, right? That, that Jesus came down and claimed us. God didn't make us change. God didn't make us become something so that we could be acceptable. He sent his son Jesus to do the something in us that needed to be done that we could never do. So that's the good news of Jesus, that he is the one who accomplished, not us. He is the one who makes us whole. So we want to see gospel saturation. Where, and when we say saturation, what we're talking about is where every man, woman, and child have an encounter with Jesus in word and deed every day. So we want to see the good news of Jesus you know, being lived out and proclaimed to the extent through the body of Christ, through our people, that, that, there isn't, that there isn't someone that doesn't experience it every day. And through transformational community, it's not individual, it's also collective. And so we want to see that it's the way that we live, and that's why that we commit to share our life. It's why we commit to share a gathering together to worship intentionally. It's why we share serving. We serve one another as well as serve the, the world around us together. We commit to this transformational identity of community. We choose courageous vulnerability and accountability, as Kusha was talking about early, or earlier. Know this, all the things that we do, our Sundays, this right here, our groups that we've talked about, the thing, we also have this thing called huddles that we, that we encourage people to go even deeper in, which is really just personal relationships, sharing their journey, their spiritual journey around uh, Jesus uh, together personal discipleship. Um, that, so all of those things, and they are only meant to be a conduit for the grace and truth of God and Jesus to, to work what he works. And so is this transformational community is really that we are being transformed, and as we are being transformed, those who are around us will encounter Jesus, and they will be transformed. So it's all about that. It's not about program. All of our programs exist to prayerfully support 
that to create space and to equip and to teach and to create environments of care and, and, and nurturing and, and, and encouragement. Um, we are about people. It's about people. So again, we want to encourage you to get a, be a part of those things if you want to enter into the journey with us, not for the sake of earning a badge of involvement, but for the sake of sharing this journey so that we can see gospel saturation through transformational community. So we as a church have a unique part of God's global mission because we gather well and we scatter well. And we see that even like here at Wharton, even though not all of you live in Montrose, there is an opportunity for, for you to come alongside and, cre- and, and help increase our capacity to serve Wharton because they're observing us and we have such a great opportunity to love and serve them well. So it's a really exciting thing. So, there's, so as we see, we have this overarching umbrella, love God, love people, make disciples, do it together. We as the bridge have some ways that we're specifically made up because of each of us kind of being here and where we are. And, but then also um, one more really important layer to God's mission is, is you, is each of us. Um, just as the church has a unique part of God's purpose, we see that it's the same for each of us. You're part of the bridge if you are, if you've said, hey, this is my people, I'm journeying with you, because hopefully you see that we are attempting to honor God and we are attempting to lift up Jesus and we are attempting to pursue God's purpose and, 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 you, and you resonate with the way in which we are doing that. That's why you're here. It's important that we all own that calling. It's important that we find a sense of unity around that. But it doesn't stop there. It can't stop there. Otherwise, you're like... You're just managers. You're just managing something. You're, you're coming along and doing something someone else asked you to do, and that would be a disservice of us to you. Each of you has a very specific calling that comes from how, just first off, how you were created. Some of it's just from, from the moment that you, were, that you were dreamed up and put together. You were created to care about certain things, to have, have the abilities in certain areas. Then there's also each of you have a journey up to this point the highs and the lows, the, the victories and the destruction, each of those things have shaped you. Just your, your experiences of where you lit up. Did you grow up in suburbia? Did you grow up in the country? Did you grow up, did you grow up upper middle class? Did you grow up low income? Did you grow up through turmoil? Did you, did you experience abuse? Did you, um, you know, just, did you have a silver spoon all your life? All of those things shaped us. And they are uniquely part of God working in us to shape us to who we are. And because of that, you will uniquely be able to meet certain needs. You'll also care about things that others don't care about. And so that's part of our beauty of the body of Christ. The beauty of the body of Christ is its diversity and that we don't try to all be exactly the same, right? So we stand in unity under the the, the three greats. We come into unity kind of feeling this common call as a people in this place in this time, but your uniqueness must be expressed. And I don't know if I've ever actually used this categorical term, but it seems appropriate. Like in this, that's not in like the snowflakey sense of like we're all unique and we all deserve whatever, whatever, whatever the, the common commentary is. But it is super important that each of you recognize that about that God is very personal and specific in how he's created you. And your journey up to this point has shaped you and equipped you to be able to address and meet and be drawn to certain opportunities and needs and, and honestly just kinds of people and relationships. And so we have to understand that in that specific calling that we want to look 
we really want to be aware of like, where do these unique things to you overlap kind of with that unified call of the bridge? And you have to own it. And then you've got to help us ex- like experience that, lead us into it. Again, there are things for all of this is really, really important. I didn't know if I was going to bring this in today, but I think this is so important. We have to recognize as, as those who are Christ followers kind of committing to this kind of opportunity together, that as you, as part of the body of Christ, respond to gospel needs around you or just to things around you, there are some things that are better to be responded to by one. That's like your personal relationships, your daily life, just kind of the, the daily things that happen. And then there are things that need some. And that's when, like, say you have a coworker you've been, you've been sharing time with and life with and work with and you've been building a relationship and through the way they've gotten little trickles in, you know, it's just trickled in kind of your own testimony because it's who you are. And then one day they, they've hit a crisis and they're like, man, my house has flooded, the water heater burst and my house is flooded and I need some help. You can say, well, gosh, I can help, but you know what? I got two hands. I got a few more people that can come alongside. How about if I bring six friends? That's some people that can come alongside you and increase your capacity to show the tangible love of God. And then there are some needs that we all need to come around. And, that, and that's, it could be just the, the, sheer, the sheer need that we need that many people, Hurricane Harvey. Like, we all came around that. Wharton is another one. Like, again, because they observe us as a whole, there will be opportunities where it is great for us as a whole to come alongside Wharton. We have a fall festival coming up on October 25th that they have invited us to come be a part of, to come help them in serving their community, things like that. So one, some and all, and we have to recognize that, but what's, what's most important is that it's not only just the few of us, the staff, the elders, who are determining the sum and the all things. Does that make sense? We need all of us to be living out this personal calling on their life, and when you need someone to come around along you, if it's the sum, Get your small group in there, your transformation group in there with you. If it's an all, like bring us in, lead us into it, and we'll do that together. And so it's really important. Like your, our, your mission and vision is our vision. Like we cannot accomplish the, the purpose God has given the bridge without each of you kind of living out that personal calling and having that personal ownership. So whether, again, to your neighbor or to whatever else comes up. It, it has to be understood and expressed. And we want to be a church where it's not that we do and you help us. Again, we are the priesthood of believers. Every one of us are called to this. There's not just a few professionals. And really what we see the leadership of our church, of staff and elders, is that we are much more just equippers and supporters. You guys do. We help you. We, re- we resource you. We encourage you. We equip you. And we increase your capacity. And so that's the picture of us, is that we come under God's great call in our life, the three greats, and then we as a church find unity in the way in which he's wired us and given us specific opportunity, and then you have to own your specific part. And here's the deal, it's not just about, if, if, if all we're concerned about is your own personal calling, and that's what's king, and that's what matters most, then that actually becomes kind of idolatry, that like that's what brings you value, it's what brings you identity. So we have to be careful about that, but it's also not just about the collective vision and call of the bridge, and all that matters is, is that you buy into that, because then that denies the uniqueness of which you were created. So it really is like, if, if, you, if you're rowing a boat, and you have one oar strapped in, what happens? What, what happens? Feedback. Circle. Thank you, Matt. Janat. can count on you. 
So you go in a circle. So you need both oars, right? And you need both oars to kind of work in, in, in tandem. You need them to work together. That is this picture of, of we as a church has this collective kind of unified call, one or, but also you must be expressing and owning your personal part of it and bringing it together. And that is what will bring us to a place of seeing gospel transformation, to seeing movement as a people in this community. So we need each other. And um, we, 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 we help get each other to the need in our world, but we also, this is how we care for one another. It's not just up to a few to care for one another. As the priests of believers, we're also shepherds of one another, and shepherds care for their flock. And so, yes, God has charged a few of us to really kind of be the, the stewards of the flock as, as elders, but yet it is not just ours. It's also yours. We are all sheep, and we are all shepherds. Uh, I love that imagery. Um, in one moment, we will be the one in need, and, and, I mean, Jason will be encouraging me, and I will turn around, and, and Bob We'll, have, we'll be in a season of need, and in the very next conversation, I could be the one encouraging him. So it's not just about mission. It's also about the way that we live out this reality that we see in John 13, 35. It says, they, they will know that we are Christ followers because of our love for one another. They will know that we are his because of our love for one another. So it's also the way in which we see a church that is cared for that is resourced, that is equipped, that is encouraged. And it takes each of us worrying less about what I'm getting out of it and worrying more about how the people are around me and are they being loved and supported. And am, I, am I loving them unto Christ and not just um, in some other way? So we all need to own the mission of God and what he's given us. Um, so here is my prayer for us um, trying to land the plane. Um, I, I, I pray that we each take seriously the call God has placed on each of our lives and that we feel a sense of unity of how God has called us together for the gospel of Jesus. And that each of us digs into our own wiring and calling to see how we can express the full beauty of the body of Christ. And if I ever say anything that kind of makes you, that makes it sound like I'm saying, like I just think about what I just, you know, that, that each of us would take seriously. If that hits you at all, like, well, is he saying I'm not taking it seriously? Know this, that these kind of statements come from me reflecting on myself, <laughs> and I'm, like, bringing y'all into it with me <laughs> to comfort myself. Like, and so it's more so that, like, I just know my tendencies. I know that I know how I ebb and flow with energy and focus and, and, and strength and all that stuff. And so, and also just how I lose sight of sometimes of, of the, the pervasive call in our life. And here's why I pray this for us. Because as we've already said, God is a God... Who, who loves his people, who loves his creation, and he wants them to know him. He's a, God, he's a relational God who wants to be known. We see that in what he did in Jesus. He's proven his love for, for, for each of us in this extravagance of grace through Jesus, this extravagance of mercy. And grace is, is, is getting the reward that you haven't earned. Mercy is not getting the, the consequence, the punishment that you do deserve. And he's shown us both of those so much in Jesus. And he is a God that wants to know us. And he not only desires to know you, he desires to be known by those around you every day. We are his workmanship. Every single person created was created in God's image. And as those who are in Christ, we have been restored to his ambassadors, to his dearly loved children, to the cloud of witnesses, to his plan A for delivering the reality of the gospel to the world.
So my prayer is that as a result of this, we would be kind of stirred up to live with expectancy. Even though there's like this repetition and mundaneness and constant drip of responsibility on our daily lives, that as we wake up and walk out the door, that we would have our eyes open and we would expect in some way, in a supernatural way, for the Holy Spirit to empower and invigor us as the Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then what does it say right there? What, is he, what does the Holy Spirit do? He makes us witnesses. You will be my witnesses. And so I pray that as we walk out, we would have this sense of expectation that somehow today the Holy Spirit is going to use me and prompt me to live out the truth and reality of Jesus and and how my life has been changed, but also to proclaim that we would expect for the words to be demanded from our mouths to tell someone that God loves them, to ask someone their thoughts about Jesus to enter into a risky, you know, the, the risky relationship, and the only risk is that we fear rejection, right? That's all I'm talking about. That we will be able to, to like, lay down that, that need for self-preservation and, like, validation and say, I, I have, I remember what I have experienced. I remember the grace and love that has washed over me, and I cannot imagine going through a day without, like, looking for an opportunity to invite someone else into that. I pray that we live with that expectancy. You know, back in January, we kind of put this idea of every street reached in front of us. And, and it's been engaged, some people have engaged it really well. I would say as a church, we have kind of let it wane and not really kept it in front. But this is a great time to reinvigorate that. And this idea of every street reached is that each one of us who are part of the family of God and here at the bridge, um, or if you're not, feel free to take it wherever you go, but would look outside your doors, and if you live in a neighborhood, we'll look from stop sign to stop sign. If you live in an apartment, we'll look from stairway to stairway. And, and again, claim those people, just as people that you would love and shepherd, maybe like if you want to put it in terms of like, I will be the chaplain of my street or the shepherd of whatever, whatever terminology works for you, but then you would be intentional and prayerful to say, by the end of this year, we've got four more months, if my, three more months, whatever the math is. It could be prayerful just to like say, hey, Lord, show me and like give me a sense of expectancy. Help me to own my, my little footprint of life and live with great expectancy and intentionality. Um, uh, who knows what could happen? Um, t- take advantage of the things that we do together. Again, this, our groups, our huddles, uh, and as we see opportunities that we create, um, jump in. Invite us into your life and mission. See something, say something, you're, you're a part of it, um, and lead us to those opportunities, all for the glory of God and the good of those around us. Let me pray. God, I thank you for, um, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your grace. I thank you, Lord, for time this morning to come together um, and to just, to, to maybe just try to stop for a moment and to get real and to think about, um, who you are, nor the work you've accomplished in Jesus, who you promised to make us in Jesus, who you've made us in Jesus, Lord, and that it's not just about our personal benefit, but that you've also invited us into your purpose in this world. And God, I pray that you would shape each of us, God, that you would um, give us an assurance in our faith that leads to a courage, um, that leads to a humility and an honesty, um, Lord, and that leads us to a people being very expectant of remembering who you are, what your desire is for your creation, and how you desire to use us. Lord, help us to make sense of this this kind of huge 
calling on our lives, but also that's just kind of simple and personal. Um, give us unity as your church. I pray that uh, we would be a place that are very safe for anyone to enter in um, with any questions, with any amount of exposure or lack thereof. Um, and Lord, just to be able to journey well together, honestly and humbly submitting our lives to, to our, our earnest questions and finding our answers in who you are and what you've given us in your truth uh, and worked by the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we love you, God. Uh, we praise you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.